Well, this weekend we're celebrating Gaudete Sunday, which means Rejoice Sunday. It's called that because today's entrance antiphon, which we would have heard if we didn't have an opening hymn, it begins with the word Rejoice. And the antiphon is this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. Now, of course, we're in Advent, and and this is a penitential season, much like Lent. Uh, In Lent, we journey with Jesus in the desert. But in Advent, we journey with Mary through the difficulties of her pregnancy. You know, traveling far from home with no room at the inn. Neither situation was pleasant or easy. There was suffering. Still, though, as these penitential seasons near their ends, we rejoice. We don't rejoice, of course, because now our hardship is over. We're still in the midst of hardships of life, but we can't help celebrating because, indeed, the Lord is near. Things are far from perfect for us, but there's always hope. God made us some promises. With that in mind, consider our first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Through him, God promised the desert would bloom with flowers. The weak would be made strong. The blind would see. The deaf would hear. The lame would walk. The mute would sing. And all those things, though unlikely, could happen on a natural level. But notice that God also promised in this passage that the exiled Jews would return home to Jerusalem with everlasting joy, and that all sorrow and mourning would flee from them. I think the Jews would have been right to maybe laugh at that prophecy if, if it were understood only on a natural level. It sounded too good to be true, and it was on a natural level. In fact, while the Jews did return home to Jerusalem, and they celebrated their glorious return to that city, they didn't really get to stay there. Over and over again, their city ended up being conquered by their enemies. So it didn't seem like the promise was being fulfilled. All our readings today make similar promises that just seem too good to be true. And they are too good to be true on a natural level. But there's more to it. If you remember your religion classes, recall the three supernatural or theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Today's readings focus on that theological virtue of hope. Hope is defined as the theological virtue by which we desire and expect from God both eternal life and the grace we need to attain it. We say that we hope for good weather, you know, good health, and and that's fine. Uh, But the greatest hope we have is directed toward eternal life and the graces that we need to attain that. As humans, there's nothing in this world that can truly fulfill every need and desire that we have. No matter how great things are for us in this world, and praise God if we're very blessed, we're still going to want more. It's never enough. Thankfully, we have hope for heaven. John the Baptist is often described as the last Jewish or Old Testament prophet, as the last one 
promising the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. And there were many Jewish prophets who pointed towards the Messiah with their sayings and their writings, promising he would come someday. But with John the Baptist, something different happens. I mean, John the Baptist, the Messiah, is his cousin. He points at him with his own finger and says, Behold the Lamb of God. While John is in prison, though, he hears of great things that Jesus is doing. So he sends some of his disciples to visit with Jesus to ask him point blank, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we keep looking for another? Was Jesus the long-awaited Messiah or not? Jesus, in effect, well, told them to see for themselves. Look what he's doing. What is he doing? Well, the blind were, in fact, made to see. The lame were walking. Lepers were cleansed. The deaf were made to hear, and the dead were even raised by Jesus. Notice this is similar to the list of promises that God made through our first reading. Prophet Isaiah, but 700 years before Those promises that seem too good to be true actually came true in Jesus. Jesus was the one who finally was fulfilling all the promises made through all the prophets. It's Jesus, God himself, who can finally fulfill that promise of everlasting joy. In these last days of Advent here, counting them down, uh, we wait with patience for the coming of Jesus. But more than just patience, we also have hope, which is more than just an optimistic attitude that things are going to get better for us eventually. In fact, supernatural hope endures despite all hardship in this life, no matter how bad things seem for us. You know, for example, if after all the patience and waiting, a farmer loses his crop for a storm or something, he can still have hope. If after all the patience and waiting for a medical diagnosis, a person realizes they have terminal cancer, they can still have hope. If a person is suffering terrible persecution for their faith, even if they're about to die as a martyr, they can still have hope. If we're mourning a lost loved one and things are really grim for us, well, we can still have hope. Because as Pope Francis once said, This is Christian hope, that the future is in God's hands. The future is in God's hands. And the future we wait for in Advent and and always is the return of Jesus Christ, when, if we are judged worthy, we will enjoy eternal life in heaven, which the Catechism describes as the state of supreme and definitive happiness, the goal of the deepest longings of humanity. So even though the trials of this life can seem insurmountable because we have hope and our hope is sure, we Christians can always rejoice that our Lord's arrival is very near.